Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. Last time I spoke to you guys, a couple weeks ago, I spoke to you about faith and how, and if you bring up Hebrews 11, verse 1 for us, Nick, I just want to do a quick review. Uh, right before Hebrews 11, 1, the Bible says that, or yeah, Hebrews chapter 10, it says that my righteous one shall live by faith and he will not shrink back, okay? And so I love that idea that God is looking for righteous ones who live by faith. And when we talked about faith that a couple weeks ago, we talked about living by this definition, that a life lived by the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen is a life of faith, okay? So if you live by the assurance of things that already exist, or if you live by the conviction of things already seen, you're not living by faith. Which means that people that live by faith are living in the hope of something that doesn't exist yet and living with a conviction of things that have not been seen yet, which means, like we talked about, you're kind of weird. People who live by faith are weird because they're not living by things they have already seen or experienced or what other people have already seen or experienced. It makes sense to people. People who live by faith often live by what they believe will be in the future. What doesn't exist yet, but will one day exist. When you live by faith, you're living in, like from this inner hope, things hoped for. This thing that's on the inside of you, but has not been manifested outside of you yet, but you're living from that on the inside of you yet, and you're living in such a way that you will eventually birth it. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. You have things to birth. You have things to bring forth in your life. And if you live from that assurance and that conviction, it will look strange and peculiar to those around you because you're living for and from things that don't exist yet. Hello? Yeah? yeah? Okay. And the, the alternative, and I talked about this, is really just ending up living your life as a copy of something that already exists something someone else is already doing. And you can be successful at that, and you can make decent money at it, and you can be somewhat happy and create a life that makes sense to a lot of people, but you will always have something on the inside of you crying for more. And only you will know it. Well, you and the Father who put it in there. And so living by faith is an incredible privilege each and every one of us get to live by living for and from what doesn't exist yet and giving your life to making whatever's on the inside of you that God put there a reality. It connects me to a thought God gave me years ago. And I don't know if you believe this or not, but I have chosen to believe this, that every thought God has becomes a person. I, just, I don't know why I like that idea. I don't have a verse for that so much as I just have this inner conviction that when God thinks about something, a person comes. And then we, that person, gets to spend the rest of their life convincing all the rest of the world about that thought. I just like that. It gives every life purpose. It gives every life meaning. It gives every life a reason to wake up and to attack, to engage life. Amen? Okay, so that's a really quick summary of a couple weeks ago when I spoke on faith. Today... I want to talk about the Lord from that same perspective. 
Because if we are being encouraged by the Lord to live by faith, then my guess is the Lord lives by faith. Like this is the lifestyle of your father. Your father lives by faith. Okay? Now, I just that's kind of like the overarching theme here that the Lord lives by faith. And then he gives us his faith that we might join with him in that, bringing forth this reality. We've talked about this many times, that really what Jesus does is he shares his faith with us, and then he invites us to join in his faith, and then we walk together into everything he's ever created for us. I just, what a good father we have. What a good father we have that he invites us into that same faith he has for us. Okay? So, with that said, God lives by faith. God also wants to be known. God wants to be understood. God wants to be experienced so much. Why My favorite subject is the incarnation. So much so that God becomes man. Right? And we're, gonna, we're coming into that. Somebody shouted out Christmas earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the reason why every human being loves Christmas is not because of gifts. It's not because of the joy of the season and the tinsel and the lights and all that kind of stuff. I am telling you, it's because God so wanted to be known that he became one of us. That's the joy. Now, we've covered it with other stuff, but at the core of Christmas is a father that so wants to be known by his children that he literally becomes flesh. Don't think of it as God had a son. Think of it as God became the son of man. Okay? Super important for you guys to understand. All right. So God wants to be known. Do we agree with that? God wants to be understood. So that means God doesn't like being a mystery. And I've heard that said so many. How many people have heard that phrase? God works. Finish it. And it just kind of blankets over all the stuff we don't know. And it kind of gives us an excuse. I don't know. God's just going to figure it out. And I just feel like my father saying, please stop saying that. I, I would like to give you the reason why God is still a mystery to us. And it's super simple. It's not a complicated thing. It's not, you know, a 300 or 400 level course in college. This is kindergarten stuff. I'm going to tell you why God's a mystery to us. Is because he lives by faith and we don't always. The most simple reason why God works in mysterious ways is because he lives by the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And we get more comfortable with the things already existing and already seen. And so we give our hearts and our minds and our affections and our attention to things that are already existing around us and the Lord is fully engaged of what has not come forth from us yet. And so when he interacts with us, he's interacting based on what? Say it with me. Things hoped for. Things not seen. And we are really excited and really satisfied with things already. How are we doing so far? Okay, simple reason why God's still mysterious. So anytime, and how many people have heard the phrase shadow of doubt? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, right? Okay, so if you think about that little phrase, I think we just say it 
Like, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. So the idea of a shadow of a doubt means that there's this darkness that kind of begins to shade what is real, what is true, okay? And what I believe happens when we, when God works by faith and we're still attending to the things that kind of just make us comfortable that are already around us is God interacts and speaks and loves on or whatever it might be with you. Like he's interacting with you in some way, shape, or form, but because we are more consumed with what's already existing around us, those things shade. Are you with me so far? I even put you on do not disturb. Come on now. I did. I'm going to put all kinds. Try to protect myself from my own watch. What we're concerned with shades the reality of what God's doing in our lives. And that shade is what causes the mystery. It turns God from being known and understood to being a shaded mystery, foggy, through a mirror darkly. You remember that? 1 Corinthians 13. We see him through a mirror darkly. But the Bible promises 2,000 years ago, we will see him face to face. I believe that there is a way in which every shade of doubt is wiped away and we see not only him clearly, but ourselves clearly and everything hoped for and things not seen yet. Clearly. How are we doing so far? That makes sense? Okay, so I want to talk simply about based upon God lives by faith. Three things that the Lord is always doing with you. No matter what. How many people like three points? Real easy, something to take home, something to work off of, something to work with. I'm going to give you what you don't get very often around here. A three-point message. I'm, I'm giving it to you real simple. It's, I know, I know. This is going to be a moment. You're going to want to write it down because this doesn't happen very often. The Father is at all times. Everybody say all times. Thank you for doing that with me. At all times, no matter the situation or our attitude. How many people have an attitude? Some of you, it's right on your face. Like, I can see it. You think you're hiding it? It's right there. No shadow of doubt. I get it right there. No matter what, the situation or our attitude God is always doing three things with us, okay? How many people want to write this down? You just want to write it. Like, maybe we'll even write it on your heart, okay? Because God's doing that right now. Number one, he is loving you. We're going to talk about these things. We're going to break these three things down. Number one, he's loving you. Number two, he is forming you. And number three, he is sending you. What's he doing first? What's he doing next? What is he doing third? Oh, I love it. Look at that. We only had to say that one time, and it's already written there. Oh, man. Give me a little bit of time. I think you're going to go home early today, though. You're going to go home. No, 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 no. You weren't kidding. You weren't kidding. Stop distracting him. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, you can put up John 15 for me, Nick. And I'm going to, this is the only way I can get Dawn to talk to you all. I'm going to surprise her. 
And you guys need to pray for me from about 12.30 through the rest of the afternoon. Okay, this is a bullet. Yeah, this is an arrow, a sword that I'm taking for you. I want to show you how God loves. Come here. Come here, come here. This is not going to be hard. This is going to be so easy. Tell us about your grandson. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> Mark was ready for grandkids, and I was always like, I know, I'm not quite sure I'm ready. It's a lot of work. <laughs> but <laughs> little did I know how much this little guy would capture my heart. And I just know that he's not the only boy that the Lord feels that way. <laughs> I know each child is so precious and incredible, and, but it just gives us this opportunity to really just see how incredible he made each one, each one of us. So I don't know what you want me to say specifically about, about Tiago. So to me, he just brings so much life. And as we talked about River, he just brings joy and he brings hope. You know, he's, I, we're grandparents, so we think he's the smartest kid. <laughs> well, you know, our conversations are like, oh my gosh, how did he put this and this together and come up with, like, you know, it's just amazing to watch as they progress. And it's definitely different being grandparents than it is parents. The grandparents in the room, I'm sure, will agree. Um, but you just get to experience this newness, this freshness that's always been there, but you're just getting this opportunity to see it again. So, I don't know. We just think he's the best <laughs> and then it gets you it gets us to realize that the father thinks the same about each one of us so. thank you so like she probably wouldn't even had to say anything like just as soon as i asked her to talk about like did you feel what she was feeling right and you have a perfect father. And as perfect as I think that woman is, she's imperfect, which means she has shadows of doubt, she has fears, she has anxieties, and she has insecurities, yet she's still able to love with that level of purity that you could feel her love without her even saying anything. Now imagine a perfect father. Imagine the person you love more than any other person in the world and don't act like you don't because you do. And it's infinitely more how he feels about you. And he's loving you right now. No earning, no performance. I mean, Tiago sometimes just walks in the room just because his eyes, it doesn't even, he, he can be asleep. 
And that woman is just like finding incredible things about him. And I'm just like, I, I am in constant awe of how she loves him. And to be honest with you, in a different way, but in the same way, she loved all four of our kids the same way. Like when they were growing and they were all like that, like I could watch my wife love the way my father loves us. So you all know this feeling that she was describing. You all feel that way about someone or maybe even multiple people in your life. And I want to tell you, that comes from the one who loves you perfectly. And here's the thing. That's not just happening when you're doing well. That heavenly emotion, that king of all creation feeling is radiating towards you at all times. Right now. When you are angry, when you are frustrated, when you are, I mean, picture your worst moment and the radiation is like sending that meter, whatever that is that causes radiation to be back. Like it's just radiating towards you. Amen? I want you to know it. I want you to be convinced of it. Even in your deepest, darkest fear and insecurity and concerns that you're being loved that way right now. And it is, and his love is what empowers everything on the inside of us. Are you there? Okay. So, John 15, starting in verse 9, is just talking. And there are, I, I could have pulled out so many scriptures, both from the Old Testament and the New Testament, to talk about this. But I think Jesus gives us this incredible view because he's talking, again, it feels like Jesus and the Father are separate in some of this language here, but please know, this is Jesus talking as the Son of Man. Are you with me? So Jesus is talking as a human, though he is also fully God. He is talking as a human so that we might see an example of what true humanity was always meant to be. Are we okay? Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in this love I'm loving you with. So what you just experienced from dawn, even when you think about people you love and you realize that this love is real, like when you're loving someone, you're also telling them, live here. Your best version of yourself exists in my love. That's, it's the truth. Parents of children, if you want the best version of your kids, love them. Open your heart and love them. Mark, what does it mean to love them? It means to see them for completely who they are and open your heart all the way. Every door, every window, not open, torn off the hinges and ripped out of the sash. Like they can never be closed. And you let them all the way in and you let everything of you into them. That's love. Full, complete sharing of each other. That's love. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Just as the Father has loved me, the Son of Man, your definition of perfect humanity, I have also loved you. It's almost like he switches and goes back into his divinity after the comma and says, I'm loving you with this Father divine love. 
And then he says, abide in this love. Live here. Draw your strength from this place. This place called love is the place where everything else from your life needs to go. Go on. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Love and living in love and living in a way that pleases God takes his love and turns it into action. Okay? We've heard Ben and Jocelyn talking about this over the last month, month and a half, that love looks like service. Love looks like giving yourself freely to other people. This keeping his commandments, please don't think of it as rules to live by. Don't forget, a new commandment I give to you. Remember that? After all the Old Testament stuff, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That summed up what? No, that summed up the old Mosaic covenant. Okay? I get really tired of preachers trying to take those two loves and put it into the new, quote unquote. That's a summing of the Mosaic covenant. And then he says, I'm going to give you something better. Because when you love the Lord with all your heart, side, moan, sorry, that was a complete messing up of consonants. When he tells us to love the Lord with all your soul, Who's the source of that love? Listen to the verse. Love the Lord with all your, your. Who's the source of love? You are. But a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I. Do you hear how the source changes? The Old Testament was about just muster up everything you can and love the Lord and then love your neighbor. New commandment is live in my love and let my love love everyone through you. The source changes. The striving is over. The entire point of the Old Testament is to show you and the Mosaic Covenant is to show you your striving can't make it happen. Live in me and by me and it will. Super simple. You guys okay? There's more there, but Kendall wants me to end early. So, the first thing the Lord is always absolutely, completely doing with you is say, the Lord is loving me. Mm, he is loving me. And you'll never stop. Oh, may you be convinced of that for the rest of your life. Second thing, he is forming you. And he's forming us. And so in Genesis, I just want you to look at this really quick. This is going to, for the, for the next three or four minutes, I'm going to sound just a little, uh, what's the word? More educational, more teaching, more, but I'm going to come back into this because I feel the Father's love all over this. But in Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God, what? Formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Who was doing the forming there? God. He formed man from the dust of the ground. Like, like if there's a couple scenes of the Bible that I would, when I go to heaven, I would like, because I believe there's a rewind button in heaven, you know, and you can go back to any moment in time. I'm going to ask the Lord, I want to go back there. And I want to see what he was doing and how he formed Adam. 
Like, I want to see that. I want to be there with him. Like, and I want to be there with him. Like, I want him to sit with me while we watch that clip. And then I want him to kind of be like that documentary narrator where he's talking to me about what he's thinking. What did you say? Like Morgan Freeman's voice, yes. Yeah, like talk to me like Morgan and tell me what you were thinking when this was going on. And here's what I think he's going to be thinking about. He's not just thinking about Adam. I think when he's forming Adam, he's thinking about Amanda. And he's thinking about Steve. And he's thinking about every single one that's going to come forth from this one. I know I'm telling you what you're going to tell me, but I still want you to tell me what I think you're telling me because I just cannot <laughs> wait. Ugh. But he's forming man of the dust of the ground. Like, look, if you've ever baked something or cooked something or built something, you always have the end in mind while you're still in the early, right? You know your father was thinking the same thing. Anyway. So a couple, a couple verses later in the same chapter, then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed. He's in a constant state of forming. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this or realize this ever. This might be new for you, but God first formed animals for what purpose? To find a helper for Adam. The reason why you have all kinds of crazy creatures all over the earth is God was experimenting with formation. And you can look at any phase of your life that way. God experimenting in the formation of you. But there's something beautiful about that. I'm gonna, don't let me forget that. Who's not going to let me forget that? Because I want to get back to that. Who's listening? Kendall. Yeah, about you experimenting. Okay. Anyway, just don't let me forget that. Out of the ground, Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. There was a partnership that took place there. Yeah. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a suitable helper for him. So now we see why all these animals exist on the earth. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh of that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman, into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, let's say this together, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So in the beginning, God formed Adam apart from Adam's participation. I hope you guys are starting to see this. There's a process of formation that takes place with God. The beginning one, God does the forming all on his own. Someone thank the Lord that sometimes God does forming all on his own. Like God, you know, there's even been times where I'm like in a seriously helpless state. Anybody else? And you're like, Lord, just, just take over. Like, put me asleep and just do it. And then when I wake up, it's done. Anybody? Now, here's the problem. We want it all to happen that way. And the Lord's like, you'll never be who I created you to be 
if I do it all for you. Okay? So sometimes the Lord forms without your participation. Adam, zero participation other than receiving breath and becoming a living being, right? Then in the formation of Eve, there's small participation. How small? A rib. And then what does God have to do to Adam? Well, actually, before he takes the rib, God has to put Adam to sleep to get the rib out. Okay? He's not dead, but he's asleep, but he participates by donating. <laughs> so sometimes your participation in your own formation is an unconscious donation. And you don't realize it until later when she shows up. Hello? Because when Adam wakes up, he doesn't know what God has done to him yet. Or what has he, has he done for him? Or what he has formed on his behalf from that? And there's times where God's forming you or forming something for you, from you, and you don't realize until later that you were the seed from which he formed. I hope you're seeing this. And so Eve shows up and his eyes go, Whoa. Whoa, man. Like, wow. This was made for me. Oh. Just as she was walking up here, even though she had some frustration with me as I was handing her the microphone, like, I still have that whoa moment looking at her. I'll have it for the rest of my life. And actually, guys, you can develop it. If your eyes stay fixed on your lady, it will increase in the woe, not decrease. There is no reason why your woe of your lady should ever decrease. The reason why it does is a shadow of doubt. You're more caught up in the things around you than the thing made for you. Okay. He initiates partnership, although asleep, to form Eve. Adam sees Eve, declares his full realization that she was formed from him. Now, fast forward into today, into now. Now the formation that's happening in and through you happens in full participation. Matt actually started this from the very beginning. Like the Lord doesn't want to just do things on your behalf. He wants you to join him. And that's why he says, my righteous one, say it with me, shall live by. That is an invitation into full participation in everything God's doing, not only in your life, but in the earth. And by the way, what is he doing in the earth right now? He is loving, forming. That's what he's doing. I'm being overly simplified here, and one day you will thank every person in your life that overly simplified things. Because the overcomplicated people are the people that don't really understand what's going on. To simplify means that you see the big picture. And the big picture is this. God is loving. And I love how Denver did this. Take this song and lift it up off of yourself. Lift it up off of the people who call God Lord and put it on every single person because that's what God is doing right now. There is no separation. Saved, unsaved, church, unchurched, Methodist, Presbyterian, that church which has a lot of people, this church that has little people. Nope. In fact, God doesn't even see different churches. Hello? We create these separations to make ourselves feel more organized and better. 
The Lord sees his family. And the, and the, the more we join him in his faith, the more we begin to see the way he sees and we join in his efforts. Hello? Oh, I'm so excited about this. We are now part of our own formation. We are now participating in God forming. So let's go back to this thing called faith. Okay, I'm doing really good here. Why did I have to tell myself that I'm doing really good here? I don't know why. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate that. Thank you. My righteous one shall live by faith. Why? Because I, their father, lives by faith. The more you operate in faith and come up into his faith, the more we participate with him and we're not doing useless, vain things that amount to little. You know, anyone that you love, you don't want to see them waste. You don't want to see them waste time. You don't want to see them make a whole lot of mistakes. You don't want to see them lose resources. Right? Your father, who is perfect, is loving you. And the reason, and he loves you that much that he wants you to, as quickly and as effectively as possible, join him in the formation process. That formation process is everything hoped for and everything not yet seen becoming a reality. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, uh, let your, yeah, let your kingdom come and let your will. The kingdom and the will are inside of Mike right now. It's the things hoped for and the things not yet seen. And they're inside of every single one of us. And as those things come forth from the inside of Mike, they join with the things inside of Amanda, joining with the things inside of this lady, joining with the things inside of this head. And before long, this incredible tapestry called the kingdom, called the family, called heaven on earth, becomes a reality. How are we doing? Yeah. Third, he's loving us, he's forming us, he's sending us. John 20. So Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Just leave that up on the screen for the rest of the time. So, not at my, it's very possible that not, your theology might not be able to handle this reality or this, this thought process I have, but I don't think Jesus and the Father are separate. I've said that several times already today. I've said it probably a thousand times over the course of my pastoring. I'm going to say it right here. It looks like they are. Everybody with me? Apparently, apparently, Jesus and the Father are not the same person. Look at the words on the screen. But, that's a big but. If you think of Jesus as the physical manifestation of everything God is, then sending looks different than how we normally think of sending. So if you, how many people still mail things? Like literally put things in an envelope and mail them. All right, there's a good amount of people that still do that. That is also called sending. 
Now, I know a lot of us don't do as much mail anymore. We send, what else do we send? Email, texts, what else? E-payments. Okay, we send stuff, right? Okay, so this type of sending that we're thinking about is basically going from point A to point B, right? It's going from you to someone else. So far, so good? Yeah, that's how we think of sending, okay? And so in the, in the theology or in the paradigm that Jesus and the Father are two separate entities, the, the, the classical view of this, classical meaning not original view, classical view as in Western theology view, is the Father who art in heaven sends via email Jesus, where? To the earth. Where is the Father? In heaven. Where is Jesus? Okay, so again, I'm giving you the classical Western theology perspective of that. And Jesus says to them, peace be with you as the Father sent me, Father sitting in heaven, you know, however you see him. How do you see Jesus? Or how do you see the Father in heaven? Like that? Like this? I don't know how you see him. However you see him, and he sends Jesus, and then Jesus talks to the Father and comes back here. How are we doing? How many people still have that view? Sometimes we have that view, right? It almost just helps us kind of make sense to it. And I'm not going to fault you for that, but I'm going to say there's something more real than that. Okay? Think about it in terms of faith. Tell me again the definition of faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Things hoped for? Evidence of things? Not seen. John chapter 1. How many people know what John chapter 1 says about Jesus? The Word became flesh and did what? Dwelt among us. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. Later on, it talks about how the invisible God became visible. What's faith again? Things hoped for? Evidence of things? Conviction of things? Not seen. Is it possible that sending has less to do with bridging a distance and sending something physically, but more about manifesting, bringing everything that's internal, everything that is yet to be revealed, and making it revealed, making it known? How did we talk? What did we say in the very beginning? God wants to be known, understood, experienced. What good father? wants his kids to wonder about him? What good father wants their children to grope around in the darkness trying to figure him out? Don't get me wrong. There's a little bit of hide-and-seek going on. How many people did that? Remember Ben talking about hide-and-seek where you, you know, Ben's behind the curtain and you can see his belly sticking out type of thing? Like, like it makes, he makes himself very obvious. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter it's the glory of kings to search it out. Here's the thing. God is seriously easy to find. Romans 1. You see him where? In the creation. 
You look at them. Just think about your physical body. How did that happen? Has anybody ever seen that uh, picture of a cell? I, I, I posted a couple years ago on Facebook because it is incredible. It looks like the best work of painting art I've ever seen. It's in full color. Someone will look up the most recent. Like It's some kind of uh, microscope that took a picture of the cell, and it is incredible. It, there are so many places where God shows up and makes himself available. What's laminin? How many people remember that? The, the, is it a gene or a chromosome or something like that that's in the shape of a cross? And supposedly it's like the building block of life. Like, I don't just talking biologically. We can start talking any field of study. You cannot help but run into God. He's everywhere. He does not want to be hidden. He wants to be known. And faith is what makes him known. And if you think about faith, substance of things hoped for, evidence. Just think about substance for a second. Substance means what? Oof. That was a little dusty. But that was substance. Okay? So when you touch substance, you get a little bit of it on you. You smell it. You feel it. You can see it. And Jesus is the substance of God. Faith, the faith of God, made the substance of God assured. Are you with me? That's the sending. It's not email from California to Pennsylvania. Don't think of sending that way. Think of sending as by faith. I am manifesting. I am bringing everything that has been hidden, everything that has been hoped for, and making it true and real and available to all. So, God is loving you and forming you that you might be manifest. Not sent. Don't think in terms, again, this is an invitation for you not to think in terms of, I will now go to Africa and I will preach to the unreached people groups of Africa. Don't get me wrong. There are some people who feel called to that and should go do that. But that's not the sending he's talking about here. The sending he's talking about here is wherever you go, bring everything hoped for and everything not seen to bear on that moment. Live by faith. In that moment, which means work becomes holy. Your bedroom becomes holy. Your dinner table is holy. It's an altar to the Lord where everything hoped for, everything not yet seen is in that moment. Just as I became flesh, you become everything faith believes in. How are we doing? Do you hear this? It's the whole point of being loved. It's the whole point of being formed. The formation thing is finding out you have a rib. And look what your rib can make. Manifest that thing. Look what, look what my faith did. I took a rib out of Adam and I manifested Eve. And you're pretty happy about that, aren't you, Adam? Oh, yeah, I am. Hello? This is what the formation process can do. Something within became something incredible without. By faith. This is you right now. You've got ribs on the inside of you that can become Eve's, not only for you, but for the whole earth. Yes. 
Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How are we doing? And right now, all three of those things are happening. You are being loved. You are being loved because I just closed this at 11.44. That is how much you are loved today. So, Mark, you want to talk about the experiment when you said that. Yeah, yeah. So, the exper- I kind of said it, but I'll say it again because I don't think I hit it quite the way I wanted to. So, the experimentation process, the formation process, is you and God forming together. Now, has you, have any of you ever sat down with someone who's just learning how to use a pencil or a marker or a crayon? Anybody? Just raise your hand if you've been in a room with someone else and you're doing it with them. Okay, when they're coloring, how are they doing? When they tell you it's this and it looks like not like that, what do you say? Yeah, every single one of you. Not one of you would say, that's a piece of... Not one of you would do that. Every single one of you in this room have a good heart given to you by a good father and you say to them, Say it again. Let me, let me hear the noise. Let me hear the sound. Experimentation. You're learning how to form with your father. So your mistakes, your failures, think of them just like that. You're laying on the floor with your niece or nephew or son or daughter, and you're coloring, and it looks like absolute garbage, but your father is just like... And what do they do as a result of you doing? They do it again. And the more they do it, guys, look how easy this is. And over time, like I could weep, thinking about what you can form if you keep forming, if you keep living by faith, keep practicing with him, You have a father who's always loving you, always forming you, always sending you. Look, form, manifest, looks like crap. That's okay, form, manifest. I'm loved by my father, I get to do it again. Form, manifest, getting a little better, making a little more sense, and you keep going. And before long, incredible things are happening in and through you. Go ahead. Here, hold on. One of, my, uh, one of my children does not like to write. And so at the beginning of the year, I was sort of forcing the issue a little bit. And the, the assignment was several sentences, and they wanted to just like write three words and check it off. I said, no, the assignment, we're going to do it three sentences. And he finished it, and we put it away, and it was you know fine. And he's had to keep going over the last couple of months, the last month, I guess, really, since school started. And his most recent one was actually n- notable improvement, visible, notable improvement. And I pulled out the old one. I said, babe, look, in just the last month, how much you've improved. And something about, he, he hated it the entire time. And if I had just told him today's was good, he wouldn't have cared. He still hates it. But something about looking, seeing the progression, seeing the progression and just, oh, maybe, maybe I am awesome. You know, maybe I can keep going was helpful to him. Right and it made me think about, like, even if you still hate it, look and see how it's, Grown. grown. Yeah. Beautiful. 
Anybody else? Be encouraged today. You have a Father who loves you perfectly. And what's crazy, you can't even fathom what it means to be loved perfectly. But just know that you're loved beyond your imagination. And you're being formed right now by that love to manifest something incredible. No matter how dark and awful the current circumstance is or how crappy your attitude is about it. Let's be honest. Some of us have some really bad attitudes about our current reality. That doesn't phase your father at all. He's still 100% living by faith about you. And he will not stop. Amen? I bless you that you would be aware of this simple three-point reality happening in your life right now. May you experience the love that your Father has for you in both real physical terms and deeper at a spiritual level. May you know and experience this love, this perfect love that literally eliminates fear. May you realize in this love the incredible worth that you have, the value that's there waiting to be sent, <laughs> to be manifested. May you be convinced of it. And may you spend the rest of your life convincing us of these thoughts God had that became you. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.